From the studios of their respective lounge rooms, a team of pyjama-clad TV tragics ready to slice, dice and dissect the best and worst of what's on the box. It's TV Binge Box. Hello, bingies. Good evening and welcome to TV Binge Box, the podcast about television. And I'm your host this week, Stephen Brook, filling in for Dan. And it's a big welcome to Joe Casamento. Joe, how are we this week? Still jiffing? <laughs> no, I've moved on from jiffing. It's time for Christmas, everyone, all you lovers out there. And for those that have loved ones overseas, you should get on to Interflora for one of their wonderful Christmas hampers. I'm sending one to my niece, also called Brookie. Brookie, you thought I was sending one to you when I said I'm sending a hand. What? I've, I've just replied to your Instagram saying thank you so much. What a generous friend. I Delete, delete, delete. Expected delivery on the doorstep. Uh, Champagne, chocolate. It's not mum though, I don't Okay, think. all right. Uh, <laughs> now, and it's another big hello to Steve Malks. Malk, how are you? You received any merch from... Any TV network this week? Always naughty, never nice. I did get an amazing Mandalorian pack from Disney <laughs> just before season two kicked off that included a very oh, nice. excellent coffee cup, uh, but otherwise nothing. It's a, it's a wasteland. I'm, okay. not in, I'm not important enough. Something will turn up. Look, we have a very big show for everyone. Something for everyone, I'm predicting. Uh, quite an unusual group binge this week for lovers of US drama. Uh, real interesting one-off, which, Malk, you're in charge of that. Mm-hmm. I have actually a very interesting rewind, and I can't wait to get stuck into that. That's coming up later on. But first, a very important segment. Clap or slap. And look, first cab off the rank this week is going to be Ooh. Joe. Ah, well, I've, I've kind of diverted a little bit this week and then gone back to familiar grounds, fellas. So mm. um, I started the week with an oldie that I had never seen, but I'm sure it uh, is one that you guys have seen along the way, Louis Thoreau, one of his very early ones. Uh, in 2009 it was televised. It is the documentary he made on a place for pedophiles. Mm. Have either of you two seen that one? I have I'd say so. not. Right, so, you know, Louis often, well, always goes into these awful places and worlds where you just, it's it's just so, oh, so a lot of it's so icky, whether it's the drugs or or the the towns Mm. that have been decimated and they're just always grimy and awful places, but I don't think he's ever taken me somewhere so, I don't even know the word for it, somewhere so mortifyingly just somewhere I don't want to have to think about, but I was so intrigued. So it is a hospital in California called Coalinga State Hospital where they basically hospitalise hundreds of convicted pedophiles. Um, And he was the first, I I don't know if since then it has happened, but at the time he was the first journo allowed in to film and interview these, I'm sorry, but despicable creatures who have done the most heinous revolting crimes and that's what I mean when he's interviewing them with his straight face and he never shows emotion Louis so you just absolutely you know gobsmacked that he can sit there listening to someone talking about I I don't I couldn't even repeat them on the podcast what they've done Mm -hmm. some of these men uh to their own children some of them and and sit there with a face saying 
it, it hasn't damaged anyone. Like just, just really utterly revolting stuff. And he sits there with that straight face. He walks that really, I think, wonderfully. And that's what makes him so brilliant is that line between it's not sensationalist, but it's um, not sympathetic either. Are um, you it's just recommending this show or not, Joe? <laughs> I, can't, I, I can't just, get a yeah, okay, sorry. It's not even my clap or slap, but it's just one that it, it was blown me away because I have never got into the mind of a pedophile before. I don't know if I ever do, but we're often asked that question should they be integrated? Should they be allowed to live near school? Should they be all those things? And, and it's really quite incredibly it's like when we watched um the, the catholic stuff i guess all right moving on to lighter stuff uh pandemic episode of south park <laughs> which is i felt like a teenage boy watching it i think it was on channel 10 mm-hmm. on 10 play uh, but you can get it on their website i believe um and i did laugh out loud at a lot of this but it was pretty messily done and i'm not sure if um the COVID thing is something one of our binges on our Facebook page did ask whether the COVID stuff was going to start coming through and whether it was watchable or whether it was boring. And I don't know, the kind of jokes I think are going to run flat, sort of nappy on your chin kind of joke. So I struggled to, I think, keep momentum for the hour long formula. Also found on Hey You, my wonderful app with all my housewives, something completely left a field for me called Face Off. It's um, a sidetrack for mm-hmm. me. Uh, but it's a competition for, you'd like it, Malk, special effects makeup artists. Cool. They're really talented. They're actually people that go on then to work on... You sound surprised you know, the that they're really talented. You love. <laughs> no, it's just such something I've never really watched before. I mean, I've seen people put those face masks yep. or, you know, the what's that stuff called? The rubber latex. body stuff. Uh, latex, that's oh. it. But these these guys are brilliant. And they, you know, can win $100,000 prize money. Um, and the competition is at the highest level. They're really talented kids and a bit like Lego Masters where it's a completely different kind of group. They're not the usual contestants for reality TV, yeah. put it that way. Uh, that, that was really great. But my clap for the week, I've gone back to familiar ground, found it on Stan. Oh, God, I'm so glad that I've not run out of swashbuckling Horse and carriage on cobblestone dramas. Oh, Mulk's face just... I'll see. I couldn't (laughs) tell whether it was going to be a reality franchise or historic drama. It sounds like the latter. I found the link between the two. (laughs) I found the link between the two. One's just real life modern day and one's like the reality version of olden times. Uh, So I found Vanity Fair, which has been told and retold a thousand times, of course, the novel by Thackeray's Mm -hmm. classic... I think it's been told on TV five or six times at it, least correct. I've seen. But I never get tired of this no, story. No, I don't either. But it, so which version is just, this one? This was the 2017 version. Um, and it had a great cast of fabulous British actors, including um, Martin Clunes as Sir Crawley, Sir Pitt Crawley, and Johnny Flynn, who I love as William Dobbin, the upstanding general, and Olivia Cook, who's brilliant as Becky Sharp. Um, I started it, it had pop music and all that, and I thought, oh, am I going to like this? Because I don't like when they change things is up too much. Is this the one with the merry-go-round at the start? Yes. yes okay. It is. Yeah, it it's is. quite good. I thought, oh, it's clever, isn't they've it? sexed it up and modernised it. and But the, but they don't go into it. The story's quite very Yeah, exactly. Correct? So I yeah. normally hate that kind of 
zhuzhed up um, steampunk, I think is the word they use for it. But this one really worked. It was clever. It actually really worked. And she's so good, like a cat on a hot tin roof, that Becky Sharp, that character she plays. It's faithful to the spirit of the novel, but luscious, feel good. I'm going to just mention one scene where I'm talking about that punk rock thing, um, where Dobbin is watching his, you know, unrequited love go off into the distance with his uh, best mate, who's a bit of a jackass, hmm. knowing that the woman he loves is, you know, he, he just hasn't been able to spit it out. And they start playing in excesses, um, not never tear us apart. What is it? I am, I was standing. Need you tonight? Over there. No. Oh, and it just worked. Oh. It was just like, oh. That, that was it never works. tear us apart. Never, oh, it was yeah. never tear us apart. Yeah, that's right. You're right. Anyway, I'm going to shut up now. That was my clap. Okay. Uh, and I Big think round that. Of so, where is that one? That was an ITV production, on, I think, in Britain. Yes. But it's on Stan now and it's just arrived on oh, Stan. Good. Hence Thank why you, I just Joe. Never seen, read, don't know. It's a magazine, okay. isn't it? <laughs> oh, oh, it's my so goodness. much more mock. Friends, <laughs> the disdain that I see in the faces before me is amazing. Moving on swiftly, and now uh, for your clap or slaps, let's turn to Brookie. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> I yourself there. Well done. feel I need to slightly backtrack over something I mentioned last week and raved mm-hmm. about, which was Roadkill, this uh, political thriller written by David yep. Hare that uh, is all about cabinet political intrigue in Britain and newspapers and media and... Uh, Hugh Laurie is the star. Episode one was fantastic. But then episode two, which has just been on on the Sunday night on the ABC, was pretty average and slightly unbelievable. So I am now a bit torn as to whether I'm going to continue with that one or not. Then uh, I watched Four Corners last night on the ABC, which has been getting a lot of attention, as well as Mulk, I think, really big ratings. It was about the Canberra yes. bubble, yes. which was totally a euphemism for <laughs> uh, misbehaviour affairs in Canberra between politicians and staffers. This was a really yeah. water cooler TV. It certainly got talked about a lot. Uh, amongst the circles that I move in, which is journalism about the whys and wherefores and the ins and outs of the story and what's in the public interest versus what the public is interested yes. in. You can see that on iView. Did anyone else watch it? Uh, glued. 100% glued. And I think that the, the big issue, and because look, in part, what people do in their private lives is somewhat their own. The challenge for public officials like this, particularly for people who have platformed and sold themselves to become politicians on a you know sort of family values ticket to then you know one openly having affairs the other openly being pretty horrific not great yes joe will you be watching that one i actually haven't but i've just written down on a piece of paper to go and watch it as soon as this finishes cuz everyone's totally worth about it. it it's amazing great reporting by Louise Milligan I had a really weird, okay. well, not weird, but unusual experience on a Saturday night. I had some friends round and my neighbour, Loretta, from downstairs. <laughs> is this what and this is? we watched... I, I thought the weird experience was you having friends yeah, over. Ha, 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 thank you very much. <laughs> I We watched, it was pay-per-view, Kylie Minogue's Infinite Disco oh, concert. Wow which was actually ended up being on YouTube, but you had to pay your money and then you got a little uh, code 
that you then typed into a website and it took you to YouTube. And I'm highly recommending it. I'd tell you to watch it on Catch Up, but guess what? You can't. Go on. Because it was a live broadcast. The performances weren't live, but she oh, so went like through a, a fight. her yeah. She like went you, through her latest you, album, yeah. and then she had a lot of her greatest hits, and it had been filmed in London in a studio. And she had backup dancers and glitter bombs, and uh, I thought a really inventive updating of her back catalogue with lots of interesting new arrangements, etc. Mm. But you had to watch it at eight p.m. on Saturday night. Australian Eastern Time, or you missed it. So, so, so they didn't even keep that, it on live for 24 hours or anything? No, nope. and I am just wondering whether this is the future of television mm. in lockdown or not in lockdown, but uh, as live How they can event make money. Right. That, uh, you know, obviously worked because it created a bit of excitement. We had people around and we had some champagne. And mm. Did you have... Uh, did you have hot pants on? Gold hot pants. I on? didn't. I had. <laughs> Sorry, I, wasn't I well, you can watch my review, my vlog review, which is online. If you want to. Oh my god! You call it a vlog? Yes. Well, I, I don't. But I, isn't that what you call it? Vlog. Uh, uh, yeah, whatever. That. Oh, you're so cute. I had a Doctor Who T-shirt on in honor of the fact oh. that Carly once starred in an episode of Doctor she Who, did. which I'm she glad did. you remember. Anyway, I've talked too long. My main clap or slap, and it's going to be a big clap, was for the US election coverage yeah, wow. on CNN mm. and Fox News, which I watched this week a lot of. Mm. I even went out to parties yeah. when it was on, when we were waiting for the result to be declared. And I really just want to pay was... tribute to some of the anchors, as they call them in America, on CNN particularly Wolf Blitzer, who is mm. the main American election anchor on CNN and the former White House chief correspondent who now has a couple of his own shows, John yes. King. They were an amazing double act and kept talking and talking mm. and talking. And I thought the graphics were incredibly sophisticated. We could oh, see amazing. the national view of the electoral college and the popular vote. We could slice or dice the statistics in any way mm. that we wanted to. And then we could zero right in to Scranton, Pennsylvania, or yes. any other county. Imagine yeah, to talk about the number yeah. of postal votes versus the number of votes on the day and then the proportions of uh, whether they were Republican or Democrat votes coming in. And I thought that was fantastic. I then, as contrast, flipped over to Fox News, where I actually do want to praise one of their main anchors who I'd not come across before. His name was Bill Hemmer. Very mm. understated, very respectful, but he kept that show on the road in a similarly very stylish manner and I could not tell you either of these gentlemen any of these gentlemen which way they voted or who they supported because they had that thing which is mm. so lacking in modern journalism which is impartiality and for mm. that mm. it's a triple clap all round yeah 
I was tuned, uh, like transfixed like you, Brookie, in just about every bit of coverage I could get. If it wasn't the Aussies, who most of them were throwing to CNN or, or overseas services, um, checking out Anthony Green doing his best impersonation of John King. Yeah. Um, uh, or, you know, even flipping over to MSNBC, flipping over to CNN, watching, you know, kind of just trying to devour different bits of it. Uh, and it was really interesting. I missed the big, for mine, the big moment, um, which was Trump... Uh, and his first press conference where all the American networks oh. turned away. Yes. Even Fox News yeah. and said, we cannot let this go to air the way this is because it's just full of falsehoods. Yeah. That was, at, what a moment. What a moment. Full of memorable moments. And I do think it was fitting on CNN that Wolf Blitzer actually was able to announce that the Electoral College results had come in for Pennsylvania and that mm. Biden had won Um and of course, I went on afterwards and researched them on Wikipedia. And what an amazing life that guy has had. Anyway, enough from me. Malk, why don't you bring this section home for us and hit us with your clap or slaps? And I will try and keep it tight. I, I'll try. You, would, um, you don't need to try because I'm here with my stopwatch. Okay. The new John C. Riley comedy Moonbase 8 landed on Stan uh, this weekend. All 10 episodes of the first series are in. And I will say, it is if you're a fan of John C. Riley's comedy, and I know that's hit or miss for some people, I think you'll dig it. The basic premise is that NASA is preparing to send uh, men and women to the moon to establish a base, and they have a number of different, um, effectively, trial bases where they've got the astronauts preparing for living on the moon in arid conditions to do that and everything just everything goes wrong even down to uh, a local scavenger like a human being stealing their aluminium cans from their recycling uh, and freaking them out because they don't know what's going on and it takes them 20 minutes to get into their suit to go out for a space walk um, it, it's I, I loved it I thought it was great I finished off Seduced uh, which was on stand oh yes and I'm mate this final you. episode packs a punch they um, oh, you know talk about the right through and including the guilty verdict but not the sentencing for uh, mm-hmm. for Rainier and and of course the impact on what India is this Oxenberg. one again this is this is the the cults the Nexium oh cult how many Rainier how many sex cults have we well, we've got two docos on one. one there's a few documentaries on it well um, apart apparently from the those... podcast is the best yet I'm just feeling we started mid-year with Jeffrey Epstein. We haven't stopped, have we? No, it really is. There's, there's no, all sorts haven't. of craziness flying around. Um, and, and even discussions with uh, India and a, and a plastic surgeon ostensibly to get the, the brand removed. Oh, wow. Um, and all, yeah, all of that yeah. sort of stuff. It, it, it's pretty intense. They obviously haven't carried through right to the end. Uh, where the sentencing has taken place, but they, the, the postscript is pretty ominous, mentioning uh, obviously that, that uh, Keith was staring down a whole bunch of um, years in jail. We know since he's scored 120 years, uh, but a number of key women, including Alison Mack, are staring down. Yeah, what did she get? Well, they're staring down. I can't remember oh, what she's, still, right. she's gotten, but at the time they published it, she was staring down a 40-year sentence. Like it's wow, and it is that fine line we mentioned it last mm. week, which I find very fascinating. Uh, when the victim becomes the perpetrator, yeah, and and that's you know, and lots yeah. of people ran quickly to cut deals and plead guilty and do all sorts of things. Um, India, though she was charged, was released from those charges because the DA saw that she was in a position where she, she was had being slaves under inf- her. Yes, correct? she did, but yeah. where she was being influenced. Um, mm. 
by okay. particularly Alison. At what point is free judgment? Yeah. yeah. Moving on. Yes, moving on. The Mandalorian season two continues to just absolutely give, give, and give. We've met Frog Lady and uh, the efforts that is the that Mandalorian a real name? has gone to. <laughs> so far, that is all we know. Her name is Frog Lady uh, because she is a, a, a frog humanish thing. Um, well, I got rid of Disney and my son wants to kill me As now. he well should. <laughs> Love it. It's phenomenal. And I cannot wait for this week's episode. My big clap or slap this week is uh, a, a huge clap for John Oliver and the Last Week Tonight team uh, that airs here in Australia on Fox 8. Um, they have de- consistently delivered some pretty deep analysis into all sorts of political issues um, but particularly lined up the Trump campaign and piece by piece just kind of pulled it apart as to why it's not a thing. And so it's not unsurprising that this latest episode is a pretty straight skewering of the fact that Donald Trump has lost. Um, Not even kind of acknowledging or pending that there's going to be recounts or whatever. He just went, they've lost. And laid out all of the things and everything that's happened and even some of the response stuff. They must have been writing and editing to the very last minute to get that on air. Uh, And in parallel, the circus that airs on Stan, a Showtime production, also gets just a quick sneaky side clap uh, because they've delivered a phenomenal season again. uh, And they always end with the election result. And the last time they did it, all of the people involved were gobsmacked that Donald Trump won. And we are yet to see their response. Because they honestly, producers must have worked to the 11th hour to get the episode out. Amazing. Check it out. That's on Stan. And uh, John Oliver, last week tonight, is on Fox 8. Great. All right. Thank you, Malk. Very briefly, we're going to canvas what is happening with our favourite binges on our Facebook page. So, uh, big props to Clint Tice, who has actually kind of shown me up because... He's put up the answers to that TV Binge Box podcast ah, quiz phenomenal. that we have been talking about for the past couple of weeks. I am really sorry, but I only scraped a 5 out of 10 score. Wow. And I didn't even get a question right that was about myself. So hmm, I think, that's team, we need, uh, we need to go on and hopefully share in my humiliation because you know I'm competitive and uh, that was just not a good feeling um, but thank you Clint I got a lot of fun out of that and it was a lovely tribute Adrian, Adrian Messenger you, has been active as always and has watched Mr Bean the 90s film Kathy hmm. Mayer has put up an interview that was with The Observer they always do great interviews this time with Rob Bryden discussing Mm -hmm. the trip and what goes into making such great comedy television. Andrew Banks has given a thumbs up to Men Base 8. Malk, you'll be pleased to know. And also to something I don't think any of us have touched yet, Gangs of London also gets... Oh, I I actually tried it, and I think Dan has been watching it, so he'll tell us next week, but... um, I thought it was going to be a historical <laughs> thing, like Gangs of London, like in the 1700s. Okay. It is not a historical. And then I, I'm like, it had a boot, like a modern day boot. And I'm like, hang on, that's not a soldier's this, boot. I, I, and then I quickly got I'm, out I'm of there. giving this a thumbs down instantly. Uh, props also again to Clint Tice, who shared a very special flashback on, we've talked about that segment before on Seven Years Brisbane, where they go back. It's like a sort of weekend yes. news item flashback. Uh, will be very sadly missed. He wrote, 
Uh, it's about the, the last Sizzler restaurant in Australia. <laughs> uh, now, friends, uh, we have uh, this is our appeal time. We mm. know you like us, and if you possibly could, we're giving a big push this week because we want you to get out and vote. Every vote counts, folks. What we're talking about is the <laughs> favourite podcast category. Can they mail in as they well? Can't all be mail good. in. They can vote electronically in the comfort of your own home for your favourite podcast TV binge box, which has uh, been nominated in the People's Choice Award. And I just oh, we'd love you to, at you the know Australian why, Podcast Awards, all you need to do is visit their website, AustralianPodcastAwards.com slash vote so if you have time at all please do so i do have some breaking news brookie joe it's just come in that uh Mm. we've actually won stop the counting stop the counting we've won the podcast awards stop it look if if it's good enough trumping trump it's good enough for donald trump it's good enough for us oh my god seriously I actually thought, oh my god! Imagine if my whole year hadn't been a complete run. We haven't won. Keep voting. Okay, mm. thank you. Mark, you had me. Uh, and then That's finally, bad. just a little shout out to uh, Jill Kara, who put up a post saying she's feeling quite pl- privileged tonight. Uh, in the year of COVID, with nothing great on TV, we struck gold. Hashtag summer sorted and what is the program that she has watched for the first time well it is the west wing of which i'm gonna say no more because now it's time for group binge and malk there's no coincidence that i've just come out of mentioning the west wing on our facebook page would you care to explain to our listeners why that is he has zero uh, issues around why that's going to be a thing, Brookie. Uh, I set us the task last week for our group binge that we would watch a West Wing special to benefit when we all vote. That is the full title of this production. Uh, it was a dramatic recreation of the season three, episode 14 episode of the West Wing called Hartsfield Landing to benefit the nonpartisan charity When We All Vote, which is co-chaired by Michelle Obama. Now, I had a little trouble, Malk, finding this. Uh, I don't know how. What streamer was it on? Binge and Foxtel. Okay. Foxtel. Because if you put in the West Wing special... Yeah, big trouble. I did. You find something completely different, which is a doco that was aired after season four or something or other. Anyway... Oh, God, did you watch it? Luckily, no. <laughs> Continue, Malk. Okay. Oof. So this was, uh, a, a, it was a special piece of TV that we actually weren't meant to see. Because it was filmed and made um, as a, a a benefit, a charity fundraiser for um, this When We All Vote charity, it aired on HBO Max in the US and wasn't expected to land here. Uh, and was because the whole purpose of this charity is to encourage people to register and to vote. We know in America that voting is not mandatory, unlike Australia. So you don't have to vote. You don't even have to register. You can turn up and vote, but it is far, far easier to be registered and turn up and vote or post your vote in or whatever is, is necessary. So the whole purpose of this is not to say you have to vote Democrat, you have to vote Republican, it's just vote. Uh, and we've seen even, in fact, this year, record numbers turn out. I think the most people in America's history voted in this presidential election 
I wouldn't say because of you know this charity, but I think some bigger issues, but a great <laughs> thing that they were doing nonetheless. Okay, I don't think because of this special... Um, well, that's what I said. I don't think it's because of this. No, I, I definitely don't think it was because of this. What were the numbers? Oh, well, if you add up you know. the claims that have been made, Biden got $74 million and Trump got $71 million. So a record for both of them. Trump yeah, yeah. lost. Trump has scored the, the highest number of votes for a sitting president, uh, beating uh, Obama's previous record, which is $69.3 million, And Biden, you know, working on the theory that he's won based on the count, popular vote, 74 million votes. And counting, I guess. You know, it's, it's yeah, an interesting and, situation. And Trump got more votes this time around than he did last time. That's right. That is the other yeah. thing. He got more votes right. and still yeah. lost. Yeah. No wonder he's... Yep. Chucking a hissy fit. Um, throughout the performance, where the ad breaks or act breaks would be for the episode, we saw, um, I guess you would call them infomercials, encouragement by either members of the cast, former President Bill Clinton, um, Samuel L. Jackson, um, I think Marley we might term them public service announcements. Let's call them that. Encouraging people to vote and why it's important that they vote. And even down to explaining how postal votes are a real thing. How prescient, my friends. Yeah. Um, recorded in the Orpheum Theatre in Los Angeles uh, and the reshot opening credits um, included a live acoustic performance of the opening theme, which I thought was a very delicate and very wonderful touch. Um, oh, did you? you oh, okay. We will hear from um, uh, our West Wing nut in a second. Martin Sheen, Rob Lowe, Alison Janney, Janelle Maloney, Dual Hill, Richard Schiff and Bradley Whitford all reprised their roles and it is the first time they've performed as an ensemble in those characters in 17 years. Fans of the series will know that uh, John Spencer passed away during the final season of The West Wing, and his role as Leo McGarry, the President's Chief of Staff, was filled, I think, with aplomb by Sterling K. Brown. Also, the ad break brought me a reminder that Elizabeth Moss played Jeb Bartlett's daughter Zoe, and even though she didn't appear in the episode, she turned up in one of the public service announcements. A great reminder. I thought that was cool. And I did kind of like their little sort of, you know, ha-ha, where the young kids speaking cool thing. Not everyone's thing. Now, Brookie, I know that you're a big fan. I have three questions and you can take it how you want to take it. Did this episode stack up? Was the nostalgia too thick or just right? And what did you make of Bradley Whitford's self-deprecating introduction? Hated it. Mm-hmm. I thought that the introduction nearly ruined things for me because he kind of did that kind of shtick which we see all the time now at the Oscars and the Emmys, which is a big turn-off where it's like, hey, you need to do this, you need to get out and vote, and I know mm-hmm. I'm only an actor, and hey, I shouldn't be telling what do you this, I know? but it's such an important cause. And uh, I reacted actually probably because I was quite looking forward to the gang getting back back together sure. incredibly negatively towards that and I'm it not set a weird tone didn't it it set a very weird tone and it was almost like they were trying to extend the aaron orkin aaron sorkin-esque scripting which was mm. a real thing throughout the series which we all really loved in that mm. you know the snappy drama and the sort of verbal back and forth and the witticisms etc into real life where i do not think it belonged i thought that those segments uh, varied enormously in quality. The tone was almost uniformly bad for that reason, which led me to, although I think that Lynn manuel Miranda, who talked about postal voting, was very yes. informative. 
Bill Clinton, incredibly informative about the yes. Supreme Court battles for voting. Uh, but yeah. it just Bradley Whitford's introduction to me was a monumental exercise in self-indulgence. Because guess mm. what, kids? If you're a fan of the West Wing and you're subscribing to HBO Max, I can yes. pretty much guarantee 100% of that audience will be registered to vote yeah. already. So It, it just, just went too long, didn't it? It just went too long. However, let's put that to one side. Mm-hmm. It was a joy to see all these actors together going through the motions, if you like. They loved it. I think the audience loved it as well. Uh, once you had gotten over, in some cases, the de- very different look that some of mm. them had, because guess what? They've aged. <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you what, Martin Sheen was still a powerhouse and was still presidential at yes. aged. I think he's in his 80s, so... <laughs> Maybe there is hope for President Biden, <laughs> who is fast approaching that. I think he's 77, etc. Uh, now, that deals with a couple of your questions. The nostalgia, I don't think it was too thick. I thought it was very cleverly shot. Mm-hmm. And it made good use of the fact that it was in a theatre. I thought that was yes. presented incredibly well. But the staging they, was amazing. The staging was amazing. We still had a TV feel about it. Mm. Uh, and then right at the end, it kind of dissolved into a sequence, which, to my mind, came from the original episode. It did. Which, of course, made me want to go back and watch the whole thing again. Mm. Malk. Yeah, look, and, and fair call. I do want to ask you, just before we move to Joe, you weren't keen on the, the, the acoustic version of the theme? Oh, no, I thought that was... Uh, 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 that was kind of wrong and it did seem to be a bit try hard in my view. Well, I don't know who lacked, the guy was. Are you talking about the music, the orchestral arrangement? No, the guy on the guitar. I sort of thought too oh. distracting. Oh, I and he was backed by a whole like sort of septet, I think. Well, he was at the mm. end, but I think at the opening he sort of seemed to be playing on his own. The whole point of the West Wing is a stirring, patriotic, big brass symphony. Yeah. symphony theme, uh, which really, I think, was a visual dimension to the mm. intent of the whole production. So you yes. had the themes of the program and the mood of the program in the dialogue and the actors and the acting and the music was another dimension to that. So why rob the audience of that by modernising and having an acoustic version of it? Didn't think it worked. Mm. Uh, look, and, and I hear that. And uh, for... For those of us that aren't necessarily complete West Wing nuts, just a a quick dive in. The episode recreated for this special focuses on the uh, 42 votes in the remote New Hampshire town's election, Hartsfield's. uh, Hartsfield is the name of the the place, which are cast at 12.01am on election day and counted immediately. Uh, They always predict the winner of the state's primary in the presidential election. The whole point of it was to reinforce. So it's the build-up. We don't get to see the vote. That carries through into the next episode. But it's the build-up to the election and the fact that this play takes place with particularly the uh, conversation between... Uh, what's Bradley Whitford's character? Oh, God, you put us on the spot. Yes. He and Donna talking about... Because he's sending Donna out to Hartsfield to just, like... They, they know them all. Help them to vote for President Bartlett. 
Like he, he, they're at the last minute campaigning to make it happen. Now, in real life, Hart's location, New Hampshire, have indeed been this town. And in 2020, they voted for Joe Biden, 23 votes to 20. So it is somewhat based in fact, but of course, fictitious in the context of the show. There's also the B plot of the president having returned from the subcontinent and playing chess with Sam and Toby uh, and assumed others while discussing the issue of China and their war games taking place in the Taiwan Strait and its impact on America and how all of that functions. And in, I, I'm going to say in best Sorkinese, I think it's handled really deftly in the writing, in how that plays out. And what we see, I think, in the this theatre performance versus the televised performance from 17 plus years ago, still holds up. For mine, it was just like a table read, yet well-performed, with all of the overlay setting and direction read as a narration to start the scenes. If you've never heard or seen a table read, friends, it's like that, but they don't act it out. Uh, it did break through the theatre mode through its use of multiple camera angles and intentionally staged shots. And I think, Brookie, that's what you were attesting to, that it was more a, a television show shot on a stage in a theatre than a theatre production. Oh, yeah, because they didn't have scripts in their hands. They mm. moved about. In fact, the theatre backdrop, which was so impressive, I thought added to some scenes because yes. the West Wing is a cramped environment. As we know, they've all had cubbyhole offices most of the staff and advisors mm. did, but here you had a glorious empty theatre that I thought was actually quite impressive. It blurred and, to the background for me sometimes. I thought it was marvellous. Like it just, you forgot that it was there and then at other times you caught glimpses of these red velvet seats. Yes, correct. So it broke through that theatre mode and, and for me, I, I felt it was kind of a hybrid. How appropriate for 2020. Um, Behind the scenes shots revealing the crew uh, in masks and the cast in masks between breaks for me only rammed home the challenges of TV production thanks to COVID and reinforced why postal voting would be so important in this election. Now, Joe, are you a West Wing fan? <laughs> well, it's in my shame pile, but when I say <laughs> ah. shame pile... I mean, I was knee-deep in nappy sand buckets at that point when it came sure. out. So it really wasn't something... I, but it's always been one I have wanted to do. Yes. So I, like Jill on our Facebook page, um, am a virgin and started it the other day with my daughter. Yes. Um, oh, great. And, this is great news. And I was really excited. It is. So I'm excited. It's almost like finding out I've got Game of Thrones in front yes. of me to watch because I know well, I'm going really to it. And do. it's rare that you get that feeling again. Yeah. Um, but obviously I have been around and seen, you know, all the multiple Emmys and, and that fantastic parade of actors yep. and, and f very familiar with oh, it. Oh, for sure. Um, so it only took a second, even though I think most of the appreciation for this could be chalked up to nostalgia. Mm. And when I say nostalgia, I don't mean they've, the producers of this particular episode have tried to make it nostalgic. I mean, for the viewer, mm. it's when you hear that music, even if it as we've just talked about or you guys just talked about is different and was acoustic rather than a big brassy band yes. or just seeing that cast of actors hearing the music even though I haven't watched it it took me back to a mm. time and place um, and it's a, it's, a, it's a feeling of big budget TV that's expensive or something majestic there's a majesty to it I think um, and Look, there are four universal truths I've decided yes. uh, in life. One is that Rob Lowe, contrary to what you just said, Brookie, 
Rob Lowe does not age. I don't <laughs> oh, know. Oh, no, he did not. I was not including him on that list whatsoever. He's not included. He I is think ageless. the glasses are the only no. change, right, to be fair. Uh, hey, did you pick up Ma- on the scene with Martin Sheen and Rob Lowe saying uh, when he turns to um, Rob Lowe's character and says, son, one, and they're playing chess, You'll, mm. you will be president. You're going to run for president one day. And I thought, oh, my God, there it is in our laps, the West Wing sequel. Yes. It's already been uh, foreshadowed. I believe it's actually been talked about oh, a I've number of times since yeah. the 17-year... Got goosebumps. Yeah. It... Well, I was going to say that my second universal truth was that Martin Sheen should actually be president. <laughs> and forgive me, Brookie, he's probably the one man on the planet who I think would rival you for bringing the gravity. <laughs> like he just has <laughs> that presence, even, as you said, at 80+. plus. Three, Alison Janney is brilliant mm. no matter what you do she is just pure class that woman she's just the most fabulous actress i think on the planet don't ever watch mom and for my final universal truth is watching actors getting political is torture yes. even in this setting uh, oh my I god i so agree could you kill me yeah. now it was just the worst, oh, and like a long, I felt like I was at school watching something, and I just wanted to get out of so class. Yes. Sorry, Mom. no, 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 that's okay. And and people wonder why I Trump got it. elected in the first place. It's yeah. because of that nonsense. Oh. I mean, there's a lot of sin. It was just over. Deep sincerity, you know, and with the election being and gone yeah. now, where you know the whole point of it, it was actually just like, it is. Oh, for God's well, sake. Well, it is very Can weird we watching it with the election in our rear vision mirror, isn't it? I mean, I noted mm. before, mm. but. I thought they were fun, but they were a little bit earnest. Um, I do think that the Lin-Manuel Miranda talking about postal vote situation um, and reminding us that candidates do not declare themselves the winner, proven eerily true. Mm, um, yeah. That's that's a bit of an interesting one. I'll, I'll throw these questions wide open then, friends. Yeah. Now, the West mm-hmm. Wing is a political drama credited with romanticising the presidency and, again, the benefit of 2020 hindsight, some even claim it to be problematic and it holds views that no longer stack up. Do you think that this episode, this special, helped or hindered the cause it was working to support, or was it just fan service writ large? It was just fan service. I don't think it would have reached the people who needed to be reached. I don't think ratings would have been very high amongst uh, blue-collar workers in Scranton, Mm. Pennsylvania, who were the people that needed to turn out for... Joe Biden, mm. I thought it was really a monumental exercise in self-indulgence in that regard. Yep. Fair. Yeah, for fans only. But it's funny, you just saying that, uh, Mark, has just made me realise that watching Martin Sheen in that office took us back to a time when the American office of the presidency was not decimated and turned into a farce. You mean four years ago? When it still held a... Cachet. Pardon? Yes. Respect. Where before, yes, yes, and how sad. It's actually making me sad thinking in retrospect because it, it had such a an esteem about it, the president's office, until it was turned into a reality science. Yeah, and I think and that really that's this sad. is the main issue with it being an, an exercise in nostalgia because you can't undo the Trump years. You can't turn back, you can't time, turn back can time. It, yeah. it was... I mean, it was even a fantasy when it came out, let's face it. And to not be able to address what's happened in the intervening years, 
just mm. means that um, it's that it's it's been it's it's taken a giant step away yep. from reality. That's mm. But, mm. all right. True. Well, let's bring this sucker home. Everyone in the cast was a little bit older. They had a few more wrinkles. Roblo accepted. Uh, and as I mentioned, <laughs> there was one notable absence. Aaron Sorkin's writing is earnest and swings between meandering and laser sharp. And with the West Wing, he made famous the walk and talk that offered long scenes thick with dialogue as cast members traipsed the hall of the White House with purpose and, dare I say, dignity. This, ep- this original episode was both written and directed by Sorkin. In this iteration, it was obviously still written by Sorkin, but directed by Sorkin's longtime collaborator and executive producer and director of many episodes of the original TV series, Thomas Schlemay. Brookie. Where do your stars fall? I'm going to give it three and a half out of five. I do. It was a joy to see the performances and the episodes. It's not one of the best episodes of the West Wing, I think, because they get the mm-hmm. politics wrong with the primary, and yep. um, it's been criticised for that. I do think there was a really good lesson that the president is telling Sam about looking for the big picture. Yes. that you could take away with you. I thought the production was stunning in its execution, but I did end up fast-forwarding through those public service announcements for mm. reasons yeah. we have discussed. Yes, thank you. Joe. I mean, do you know what? Um, look, while I say for fans only, and don't, and don't go and look at it, peeps, if, if it's not your thing, because it's, it's just mm. not, I don't think, something you would like. Um, and I generally reserve a three and a half stars for something I'm sort of urging you to watch. But I can't go any lower just for the quality of the cast mm. and, and the quality of that production and the, the reverence to yep. it. So I'm going to go three and a half stars. Not as a must watch, but as a, you know, it is still worthy. Yes, yeah, still very worthy. Thank you, Joe. Look, for me, um, I think we need to take a look at the whole board uh, and acknowledge that there was a lot of really interesting uh, and deft hands shown in how they transformed this. I agree. I, I don't think that this was going to land in front of the people that needed to see it to vote, but I think it was a great way to raise money for Michelle Obama's charity that she co-chairs to help them do the advertising in other methods and other situations. An excellent way to, for people to spend their cash to engage. It is a solid four stars from me. If this does indeed fire you up and you want to watch all seven seasons of The West Wing, they are available on... <clears throat> Stan, Amazon Prime Video, Foxtel, and Binge. And I've got a season one box set, Joe, if you need it. Of course you do. Of course you do. We're good, Brookie. We're good. Thank you very much, Malk. I really enjoyed that discussion. I hope that has prompted some interest amongst the Bingies. And now for something completely different. Here's Joe. What are we going to look at next week? (laughs) Just where I like to be, princesses and tiaras. Mock's face. They actually don't know what I'm telling them about, guys. I think I do. Uh, I don't. It's been confirmed. Now, you can't hate me for this. Everybody loves this. Season four, mm. Sunday night. I'm deeply Oh, in. yeah, fine. Deeply Good. In. How can you not Good. be a fan? The trailers and the teasers are out. From what I've seen, it's going to focus largely on two newcomers. Mm. Emma Corrin as Princess Diana. Woo. Gets me excited. And Gillian Anderson, even more Mm. exciting because I think she's a wonderful actress as Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher. 
Uh, we're going to see, I think, the journey, uh, you know, of Diana and Charles and their so-called fairy tale romance, mm. and also explore uh, Thatcher's relationship with the Queen. Olivia Coleman returns yes. as Queen Elizabeth II, um, and so does uh, the Prince Philip uh, Tobias. Is it Tobias Menzies? Oh, yes, sure, that's so. his name. Uh, and the fantastic Helena Bonham Carter yes, yes, yes. as Princess Margaret. So Sunday night. Sunday the 15th, this Sunday, Netflix, join me and then join us to talk Great about Great choice, Joe. Very exciting. Okay, now it's time for our weekly step back in time. Rewind. Yes, rewind. I thought I was going to be super clever gang. We've had the US elections, we've talked about the news coverage, we've had the West Wing, so I was going to have a variation on a theme... TV comedy, mm. network TV news, uh, cracking the glass ceiling with a wise cracking female journalist. Anyone know where I'm talking? I was, I was going to say Alf, but then you said journalist. Oh, Big. Murphy Brown. Yes, Murphy there Brown. There we go. Yay! But I love Murphy, Murphy Brown. Because oh, I couldn't not? find it anywhere. Oh, you can't find it. And you don't even have And the also, the it. updated series is rubbish. Well, I refused oh. to look at the updated series because yeah, I, I wanted to one. look, go back to the fights with Vice President Dan yes. Quayle mm. and Candace Bergen mm. saving CBS on Monday nights and firing her secretary every other week. Yes. And I thought, you know what? If I can't at least watch a couple of episodes and enjoy it, yeah, how would then else? Uh, yeah. I'm not going to do that. So I went for something completely different. And? You have no idea, do you, Joe? Mm, No, I feel like it's familiar, but I can't remember which one. I'm thinking Spock. Think puppets? No. Saturday morning cartoons. Thunderbirds are go. Oh, Thunderbirds are go. Oh, God, I always used to skip past. I even hated that stuff back when I was oh, a kid. Oh, well, this was, as Malk said, totally Saturday morning entertainment yes. for me and my Weren't they on puppets on a screen? marionettes. They are called marionettes. They were precisely oh, puppets on a screen. God. Oh. My brother and I were so rebellious, we were not allowed to go down and watch television. So we had the entire upstairs corridor mapped out for where the creeks were. Incredible. In the floorboards that we could <laughs> avoid and steal down Stop and then it. silently close all the doors uh, and put on amazing. the Thunderbirds, which is watch this. a TV show like no funny. other from the mm. mid-1960s. It was a British production. Uh, marionettes were created to realise the idea of international rescue Mm. which were a family that would go all over the world uh, helping out people, businesses, governments in distress. But I tell you what, I learned something that I had never realised before when I found uh, Thunderbirds on stand. There were actually two... It's on stand. It is on stand. Two (laughs) movie-length episodes Wow. Made. So I actually this week watched Thunderbirds Are Go, which was a feature film. And I tell you what, it was hypnotic. The production, they used to spend a million pounds an episode, modern equivalent, on mm. this. 
Basically, International Rescue is called in when Zero X, the first human mission to Mars, is sabotaged and the organisation decides it needs extra security. So Virgil, Scott and Alan are dispatched to provide security whilst Lady Penelope, who was the glamorous aristocratic British agent for Mm. the Thunderbirds, poses as a journalist at a press conference for a women's magazine to secretly give the Zero X crew a homing device without them quite realising it because she says it's it's a good luck charm. There are car chases, there are romances in the middle of it. Alan, who is annoyed that all the boys are heading out to a nightclub whilst he has to stay on the island and guard the international rescue base has a dream sequence where he and Lady Penelope take off in a rocket, go into space to go to the Swinging Star nightclub. Holy euphemisms, Batman. Yep, and in the middle of it is a cameo appearance by none other than Cliff Richard. I am not joking. There is a marionette, Cliff Richard, (laughs) who is the house band of this nightclub. This program had an enormous hold on the popular culture. Uh, it was, you know, it, it was mainly episodic, but there are these two feature-length versions on stand. And I just wanted to end with a little anecdote about how important it was. Jerry Anderson, who made this in Britain for Salou Grade, uh, was mad about aircraft, which you see mm. in the series because it's full of uh, the yes. various rockets, uh, fighter jets, submarines, spacecraft, etc. And one day he got a invitation to go to where they were building Concorde, you know, the famous supersonic jet, mm-hmm. and was being shown around and sort of said, yeah, I work in television and blah, blah, blah. And the engineer, who was the tour guide, kept sort of saying, what do you do in TV? And Jerry Anderson was a bit embarrassed, so wouldn't tell him. Yeah. Finally, I mumbled Thunderbird, says Anderson. The response was electric. I was told, don't move. The engineer ran upstairs and all the designers came down with him, talked to me for an hour. So all the designers of Concord wow. were fans Amazing. of the Thunderbirds. They even had a theory that Thunderbird 2 would fly if it was ever built. Incredible. Yeah, so, uh, and if you watch the show and the lavish attention to the effects and the models, I think it just would have set off a generation of little boys who became designers who changed the way we travelled. So check that out on Stan. There have been some more modern versions made. I think you can see one of them on ABC Me, but that's Mm. animated. And to me, totally lacking the charm, Joe. I'm not going to ask you anything about this. Molt, no, I'm were sorry, you a my fan? eyes are closed over. I'm trying to be interested. Yeah, yeah, Saturday morning, 6 o'clock on, mm. if I'm going to remember correctly, probably Channel 9 in my childhood, um, the Thunderbirds. And and it was, it, Saturday morning was our time, like you probably just tuned in, got to be there. And I was mesmerised. And then I got a bit older and went, but they're puppets. But my younger brother and my younger sister still would just sit there and enjoy it, and that was always phenomenal. It, it, there are so many fond memories about it. Um, it was it was just fun escapism in a really you know kind of cool and stretch your brain kind of way that kids can deal with. Yes, 
Well, look, check out one of these two films. You don't have to watch the whole thing. I did, though, because I thought as an adult, they you can admire the craftsmanship, the TV mm. craftsmanship, the ingenuity, and just some of the weird concepts that completely passed over your head as a kid. And I do remember a very famous Degeneration sketch where they <laughs> were the Thunderbirds, and goodness gracious, it was funny. Indeed. Look, what a good note to end it on. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks to Mulk. Where can we find you on the socials? Thanks, Brookie. Well done tonight. Uh, I'm at Steve Mulk on everything that matters. Friends, we would love it not only if you go to the Australian Podcast Awards and vote for us as your favourite everything. Uh, we haven't won it yet. We need you to vote. Please do that. <laughs> yes. Come on. Best yeah, well done. Um, uh, but also... Please remember to uh, to give us five stars and give us a great review on your favourite podcast machine, just as Ditter Brown did. And they've said, a fave podcast of the week is what they've titled it. As a bit of a TV oh. nerd, I look forward to this podcast each week. I have picked up some great new shows. I love the way the hosts get along. It's a good laugh and I highly recommend Brookie should shut his mouth. No, I added that last bit. Oh. Ah. Right. Moving swiftly on, Joe. where can Ouch. we find you on the socials? Oh, God, I am on Instagram. Get this swipe, mm. tap, tag, link. Yeah, Do what I ask jiffing. you to do. Please, please, please keep jiffing. Get with Instafora. And I've got a big one happening at the Good. end of the week too. But so watch What out. is your Instagram actually, handle, Joe? I was throwing to you to say oh, where can you Oh, yeah, you get there. You? At joe.casamento. That is such high-quality influencing that you even forgot to say where to do the swipe. Yeah, yeah rule 101. You've still got your L plates on, however. Well, thank oh. you. Oh, don't talk to me about no, L plates. No, we aren't. I couldn't get them off the car this morning. <laughs> Been driving around with them you all week. You need Okay, gang, uh, you can find me at Viscount Brookie or read me in the City Morning Herald or The Age. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure bringing you this program each and every week. But for now, we are out. 